Stevens is surprisingly powerful right now. Graham Nash has got this wonderful sensibility and clarity of vision. I love Crosby. He's not only a very good friend, but a great, unique musician. Gentlemen, David Crosby, Stephen Stills, Graham Nash. Not a contest. Ow. Hey, Peter. How are you? So, good to have you here. This gave some introduction on what's going on right now. You're on tour again. I mean, you're on tour all the time with solo projects and dual things. Uh, but is this the mothership, Crosby, Stills and Nash? Yeah. It's the one we can count on. It was the one we designated when we started. Yeah. It was the whole idea in the first place of, we, we, we were trying to think of the name, you know, and all the animals were taken. Uh, <laughs> so we decided to use our names and why? Well, because we can use it as a mothership, you see, and keep coming and going and on, often doing our own things. And as it become the most reliant. Yeah. And basically, it's, it's the music. We, we just keep writing new music. And it gets to be very difficult to know which piece of music to play in the show. Because I think, I think between us, we have like 900 songs, you know? 
And what can you do? You know, we know that you want to hear Guinevere. We know you want to hear Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. We know you want to hear Hard House. But our audience fully expect to hear a song that we wrote this morning. You know? I mean, seriously. We, we have three or four new songs in, in, in the show. And uh, as long as we keep writing, we're going to have to keep coming to Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> but why do I have to? But I, of course, I have to sing Love the One You're With every time. <laughs> it's Why too not? good a song, Steve. You can't, can't it's, not. It's become this albatross. No. Uh, my pan to promiscuity, uh, which actually it isn't, but it's, yeah, there but are certain ones that I just would. Can't we trade off one? Something it's the best chorus anybody ever wrote. There's a rose in a fisted glove. Well, that's a battle of Hastings. It's beautiful. 1066. Beautiful. So what, what do you do after a show? Do you decide uh, to change the set for the next show? Will we, it be always changes within the set list? We, have, we have mouse races. <laughs> no. We put the names of the songs on the backs of little mice. And we <laughs> let them go at one end of the room. That's and whichever funny. ones get to the other <laughs> side of the room first, those are the songs we do. Yeah. Works every time. We do change it because we like to, and also we change how we do the song. You know, we don't. On tour, you change arrangements on, on tour? Yeah. 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 We, we, we change some of them drastically. Yeah. Uh, uh, but there's, you know, there are little chances you can take. And uh, we usually do. So uh, on this show, what would be the, the lineup? Is it three of you, of course? And, and how many guys backing you, drums, bass, keys? I don't know, 15, 20? How many it seems to <laughs> grow every step? Yeah, it does. But actually, we have we're, we're musicians, and we're having a great time playing together. So it's not like we do an hour and get out of there. I mean, our shows are like two and a half hours long. At least. You know, 20, 20 odd songs. It's. Uh... I know. Yeah. <laughs> you did and, your homework. And so do my feet. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a good thing to have to, you know, work to contain it, work to, con to cut it back. Uh, it's nice to have plenty to choose from. And, and I'm watching that. There's three things in that, that that we've already replaced with newer stuff, you know. Uh, that's a good thing. You released a great uh, DVD set in last year in 2012, uh, which was lots of material. It was sort of career spanning. Uh, could one top that? Will there be another DVD from this year's tour? I don't know, but I'll tell you, there's a good example of what Stephen was talking about and what David was talking about. During rehearsal for that show, our other guitar player that helps us out, Shane Fontaine, started yeah. to play um, a song of Stephen's, As I Come of Age, on the guitar. And Stephen went, wait a second. Let's do Let's that. Let's do that. And we did it that night. Right? We, so that's an example of what we're saying. It's a very spontaneous band. And we do have the luxury of having, it's one of the few good things about having been around this long is that we have the luxury of a very large catalog. Very large. Okay, tomorrow night you play Berlin, the Max Schmeling Halle. Yeah. Uh, the last time I experienced you was uh, more than 20 years ago. 
you played at the Berlin Wall at the Brandenburg Gate. That's right. Yeah. Three days after the wall started to come down. Well, what, hap what happened is this, that um, we, were we, were playing, we were already on tour, and we did a benefit in the uh, General Assembly building at the United Nations. And we heard that the wall was coming down. So Stephen said, I'm hey, going. we're halfway here, you know, <laughs> because we, we're basically in Los Angeles, and we were in New York. Let's go. So we did, right? And one, one, of the, uh, one of the interesting things that happened is that uh, the, the media found out that we were coming to Berlin, and so they wanted to hear us on the radio, so we went to a radio station. And I had a song on an album called Chipping Away that, yes. we, that the three of us did with James Taylor about chipping walls down around your heart, around your loved ones, around, around your, your city. town, you know. Um, and so the, we played that on the radio. And then we had an interesting idea. We knew that we were going to have to speak at the Brandenburg Gate the next day. But they wouldn't give us a sound system. They wouldn't allow us to have a sound system. So we invited everybody in the radio audience to bring their transistor radios with them and have this radio station play chipping away at a certain time. And we lip synced and sang live to the record <laughs> with all these kids holding up transistor radios. Unbelievable. It, uh, it probably seems odd to you that Americans would care that much, but the wall was an obscenity to us. And we had been here before, we had gone to Checkpoint Charlie, we had gone to Brandenburg Gate, and we'd looked across, and you see, Achtung, meinen, and you see the boats in the river, and you see the guards, and they're looking at you. And you can feel, you could feel what it was like, bars on all the win windows of Bottom all the houses. Line, yeah. and so for it to come down uh, was a great joy to us. I remember standing there with a, a screwdriver and a hammer, banging away to get a piece of it myself. Yeah, I our luggage was really heavy on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the interesting things that, that, that you must realize is that music has brought down many walls. And it started in the Bible with Joshua bringing the wall down by playing music against it, trumpets, whatever it was. It was Louis Armstrong, down. actually. Scotty? It was Louis Armstrong brought down. The walls of Jericho. The truth is, that's an important point. It's not, it wasn't a battalion of tanks that brought it down. It wasn't artillery that brought it down. It was ideas going over it. And that's what brought it down. <laughs> Enough about the wall. Okay. I believe you know a lot about the power of music, and we, your fans, know that as well. But the power carries on, so this was passed, but you're still pretty active. Uh, you're on tour, you write new songs, and I've learned you work on a new album, David, coming out, being scheduled for next year, that's true? Keep your fingers crossed! One of, the, uh, one, of the, one of the high points for us is a new song that I wrote with, uh, with David's son, our keyboard player, James Raymond. Uh, who is here tonight, and we'll probably speak a little later about the CSN app that's out. Um, when we were protesting the Vietnam War, you know, many, many years ago, there was one image that was spread around the world on every newspaper, and it was the Tibetan monk that burned himself to death in protest of the Vietnam War. And it was on, as I said, every single newspaper. What you might not realize is that in the last year, 
128 Tibetan monks have burned themselves to death because of the conflict between the Tibetan people and the Chinese people. And we wrote a song about it called Burning for the Buddha. And it, it's one of the high points for us musically because it's brand new, it says something very important, and um, we're really enjoying doing it. Yeah, and yes, there is uh, going to be a solo record coming out next year, uh, early in the year. And it's, uh, it's a big deal for me. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm very excited. The songs are good. A lot of them I wrote with my son, James. Uh, uh, I haven't done it in quite a while. It's, it's a pretty exciting thing to do. But it will be a solo album. It won't be CPR. It, well, it, it, it you know, be... nobody really makes a solo record. Yeah, exactly. That's, that, it's really a, a falsehood. Because unless you can push the button and run in the other room and play, you know. Uh, you, I've done that. You, <laughs> you, you really do work with other people. In this case, uh, uh, particularly since James and I write together, the way uh, uh, Graham writes with him too, uh, He's an immensely talented guy. Uh, There's several people, you know, involved in the creation of a, of a piece of, of work, and uh, but we'll put my name on the front of it so that people. That's buy what it. I mean. I want well, to read your name on the yeah. cover. <laughs> it's also, it's not like a marriage. I mean, I'm not going to go. So you're seeing other people. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the point of the freedom. To, I mean, I have a. That. Blues record coming out with other people. You know? Yeah, you're it's a good. And thing. nobody so could be some more supportive than you've them. Got a, I was astonished. You do the rights with uh, Ken yes. Wayne Shepherd and, yeah. and, and the great Barry Goldberg. Yeah. And you just did your, uh, sorry, you're the last of the three of you. Your box set recently carry on. All three yeah. boxes being he produced by Graham, set. that's right? Yeah. Yeah, Graham made them all three. So, so, I mean, how long did it take to choose the songs? I mean, on carry on on your box set. Well, There's the process, so the process went down like this. Obviously, it was Stephen's record. And whatever Stephen wanted was going to be there. But we also made it because of history. I wanted somebody in 100 years' time to, if they were curious at all about the three of us, you could put on any one of the box sets, and you could get a real good idea of who these people were. And we designed them to be sold together as three not just individuals. And it took me uh, and Joel Bernstein uh, nine years to do all three box sets. And they're beautiful. Joel, Joel Bernstein, I can't give him enough credit, he's basically the tunnel rat who would go into the, the archives and pick through all of his tapes and find something that was palatable. Because believe me, I have enough tape in a vault to cover the stage, and uh, to the height of perhaps you know six meters. And we had to go. We had to go and through them every bit of it. Yeah, because we. And we, there's garbage in there for hours. <laughs> and Joe Bernstein has ears of titanium, yeah, and so he does he. And then we bring it to, uh, to me, and I say, oh yeah, that one, that one, that one, that one. No, I like that one better. Blah blah blah. That meeting would take 15 minutes, and they would scurry away and bring back more. And bring back because more. the truth is. You didn't want to lose a, a jewel. I didn't want, after the box set was completed, to, to find something that was magnificent that we didn't listen to because of a pile of tapes the size of this room. So we had to listen to basically everything that Stephen had recorded. Which was okay. a lot. 
It's a lot uh, Graham deserves the, the credit more even than Joel or anyone else. He's, he really worked very hard on all three of the box sets, and, and he's really... He has the patience and the, the focus to accomplish that kind of thing. Certainly not me. So, Graham, if it took nine years to do the box sets, how long did it take to write your autobiography? It will be released this autumn, Wild Tales? Um, in this last two days, I, I did the final edit. Um, it didn't take me that long, because um, we're storytellers, and we have stories forever about who we played with, how we started, what, what made us get into music in the first place, you know, the events that we've been at, the music we made, the people that we pissed off, you know. I, Many of the stories we can actually tell you. Yes. And, so it and some of them are completely different. <laughs> Recollections. <laughs> no, it, he's, ab he's absolutely true. You know, for instance, we, we disagree about the first time that we ever sang together. <laughs> but I've already written the paragraph on mine that actually I know, says, but my ah. book comes out in September. And yeah. mine will come out after it. Uh, after and it. So I have the last it. word. <laughs> it doesn't which, matter. Which is by this design, is. by the way. <laughs> so this is the one question I really love to ask. Was it Mama Cass' house or was it Joni Mitchell's house? It was Joni. It was Joni. It was Mama Cass's. It was Mama Cass's. I would have never have sung with these guys for the first time in, Joni, in front of Joni Mitchell. She intimidated me too much. That's his opinion. Well, they're like, never mind. Yes. Everyone has one. I it's not I... an opinion, it's a smell of panic, friggin' cinematography, miracle of a memory. Mm. I thought I would find out, but okay. <laughs> and we'll have this argument till the day we die. However, She's probably it's a democratic week. group, and two of us believe one way, and one of us believes the other way. But we still have the veto power. No, we don't have the veto power. That's the thing. His is a lovely story, and I'm just going to counter it with my recollection and say he was completely in love and didn't remember the first time we met, which was at Cass's. I remember what he was wearing. I remember the, the color of the light. Who was there? Now, you see, I, I know it completely differently. Right? The first What's time your I next ever... question? Next question is... <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if, you if, you waste, if you want to waste the whole hour... No, 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 Because no, no, I ain't given an I'm, inch. I'm just, I'm just fascinated because that's definitely <laughs> the one question I always wanted to ask you guys, you know, and no answer again. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Graham, if you would have taken photos right then, you would have approved. But uh, that happened later in your life. You're a great photographer. You just opened uh, an exhibition in Germany. Uh, face to face in, in Bonn, Bonn, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've been a photographer longer than I've been a musician. I've been a photographer since I was 10 years old with an Agfa camera. He's not only a photographer, he's a brilliant photographer. He got into the digital printing of photographs early and so deeply that his company, Nash Editions, was noted all through the entire world of photography. So much so that they took his printer and put it in the Smithsonian Institute. So, so. <laughs> oh, wait a sec. So, do you take shots on tour, Graham? Um, I'm always waiting for Elvis to come back. <laughs> <laughs>
And I can't. Well, I, I wish Mama Cass would come back. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> or that John Sebastian hadn't been so stoned in the swimming pool. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've been taking photographs a long time. And I, you know, to me, there's no difference between music and photography. To me, it's all the same energy. Which way do you want to point it? Do you want to make paintings? Do you want to sculpt something? Do you want to write a piece of music? Do you want to take a photograph? It's all the same, really. What story do you want to tell? And he tells beautiful stories with his photographs. Well, I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to show you a photograph of, you know, two kittens with a ball of wool. I mean, you know. But you're really I mean, if anybody loves kittens out there, I apologize. But you know what I mean? <laughs> I want a photograph to inform you to thrill you, to make you feel differently about your fellow human being. I want to write songs the same way. I don't want to waste your time because, you know, as Crosby puts it very often and, and, and is the subject of one of our new songs that, that we do in the show, time is really what we have. Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, they can't buy one second of time, no matter how rich they are. We have to use every second the best way we can. I need an entire, an entire another lifetime. I've got five languages I want to learn, one of them yours. I've got three or four major sciences I want to learn, and no time. You do have time. Well, it is getting shorter, I must admit. I, I just, I, I think, <laughs> you know, human beings should have a 200-year lifespan so that we can do and so we're going to achieve more. Uh, I, I, there's so much. I mean, look what happened to, to Apple computers since, since the early, you know, early 80s. Look how far they've come. What is it going to be like in 100 years? Wow, I wish I could be around to see it. I probably won't be. But man, can you imagine what it's going to be like in 1,000 years? Stunning. So uh, that leads me exactly to the next point, because uh, you're, you're pretty uh, much uh, up with the times. Uh, there's, an I, there's an app uh, for uh, the iPad. Uh, yes. Crosby is still an app for the iPad. How did that happen? Who did that develop? Well, you know what? Um, the person that was mainly responsible for the app is uh, David's son, James, and Dutch friends of, of, of David and ours. I, I think that it's going to be an idea that, that will be emulated by a lot of people. Uh, the iPad is a, such a wonderful gizmo. It's so much fun. And an awful lot of us use it an awful, an awful lot. And uh, uh, to have an app on it that specifically tells you, you know, uh, all kinds of stuff. We, there's a lot of what they call proprietary content, a lot of stuff that we have that nobody else has, and we put it in there. But it's interactive, too, because yes. we're, we, we're communicators. That's what we do. We communicate ideas, and therefore, it can't be a one-way conversation. We need to know what fans think. I mean, you know, we very often in the past used to ask our fans what they would like to hear in a set, and we would incorporate their ideas into our set. Which we want to know what our fans think. That's risky. That's Are you a walking ad for Apple, Crosby? Look at you. Yes, I am. I brought it all. He's even shaped like an apple. Look at him. <laughs>
David, David, uh, somebody told me I've, I've learned uh, that you also Twitter and that you yes. answer your followers, uh, that you will answer their questions on the app. Is that true? I will. Uh, encouraging just exactly what Graham said. Dialogue between us and the people who like our music is a, a very positive thing because you get feedback. When you make art, it's sort of like writing down a poem on a piece of paper, folding it up and throwing it out into a glider, you know, and throwing it out of a high-rise window. You have no idea where it lands. You have no idea how it's interpreted. You have no idea how what it, it means people. to someone. Yeah. And if you can get it to be a two-way street, then you can fine-tune the process of trying to communicate ideas to people. Now, ideas are the most powerful things on the planet. And music is a fantastic medium for communicating ideas. So if we can get better at it, we want to. And, uh, and yes, that's something uh, about the app that, uh, that we're, we're doing. I, I'll answer any question you want. I won't guarantee you'll like the answer, <laughs> <laughs> but I will. Uh, I, on, on our app, there'll be a way that, uh, that you can ask me anything you want. So, so you're living, in a way, in the best of both worlds. In the new digital world, hmm? you live, in, in a way, you live in the best of both worlds. In the new digital world, yeah? Yeah, digital with the, world. With the iPad and, and, and iTunes and stuff like that, but also with an acoustic guitar at home, uh, writing, writing music and then being analog. Yeah, we, we create music analog. You know, we sit down with an acoustic guitar at our home and play it. That's pretty analog. <laughs> uh, but the digital world, the funniest thing was that the record companies didn't know what the word mean. It means. Uh, they, they didn't have a clue. They thought it was like, you know, a different kind of packaging. And so they had no idea that it meant you could copy things endlessly, and they didn't see that one coming. And they also didn't see Napster coming. And that, 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 uh, you know, that program kind of destroyed the record industry because they didn't believe it and they didn't get on the, what we call the bandwagon soon enough. Well, and look what happened. Steve Jobs comes along, he goes, you know what? We can change this, we can make it easier, we can make it user-friendly, we can make music available for a fixed price and people will not feel guilty about ripping it off, you know? Because what used to happen is that when we, made, when we make albums, we want every single track to be great. But a lot of people made albums where only maybe two, maybe three tracks were great. And the kids were saying, why am I paying $20 for an album and I only really want these three tracks? So they figured out a way to only get those three tracks. And it ended up, you know, with iTunes, basically. <laughs> iTunes fan. Well, see, I have, a, I have a, another take on that, and that is that only until... The difference between analog and digital is analog is clay, and digital is Legos. And until the Legos get so small and so dense that it can actually reproduce the harmonic frequencies that the human body feels and sees, uh, does it sound as big or But they're getting, it's dense. getting closer and closer and closer. closer. Yeah. Well, I'll, when I hear it, I'll let you know. Well, that's <laughs> a good analogy, by the way. It's a great analogy. That's a very yeah. good analogy. 
do you do you take a share on new music uh, using new uh, media like like clouds or Spotify or stuff? Uh, uh, try to check out what the new bands are after mm -hmm. what they sound like. Oh yeah, is that a good good possibility? Yeah, that and YouTube. Yeah. YouTube is uh, a tremendous way to get, catch fragments of because they connect things. You know that you oh look here's that same person that I like here there's here they are playing with someone else, and you go there and uh, you know. Uh, I did it yesterday. I, I'm looking at uh, a, a thing of Bonnie Raitt, and I see, oh, here's Bonnie Raitt singing with Mark Cohen, who I think is one of the best writers alive, maybe one of the two best in the world. And, I, and so I click on that, and ah, it's a whole new experience of, of two of these people who I dearly love, who I think are two of the best singers alive. And I, yeah, you do experience a lot of music that you would not be readily available to you otherwise. It's more easy to get to, get to know the stuff. Yeah. There are just certain precautions you have to take. Like, um, I won't let Facebook in my house. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a piece of black tape over the camera at the top of my computer. Yeah. <laughs> because, as we obviously now know, everyone knows everything. So at least you can do is protect your own damned man cave. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. I got no secrets. I... It is astounding what's going on, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's astounding that every single phone call and email and video and website that you visit is logged by the American government. Well, it's kind of know, scary. Not just is that American. a surprise to you, though? I mean, no, you knew that. Not at all. No. I. You know, the and easy we, thing to do is write about an autobiography, put everything in there, and then they have nothing to tell. Yeah. Of course, they'll make stuff up. But they that's, did that. the, that's the dangerous part, is that they can actually manipulate the information and you know, yeah, I mean, they, create they, a new life for you if you right. get on the bad side. They, they mean, could have you send an email that you never sent and use it as evidence against you. And Mark my word, it's coming. And people, and people that get in positions of power tend to go a little batshit anyway. Let's remember... That's why whistleblowers are so important. Yeah. We need whistleblowers. We need people like Bradley Manning. Yes! You got a, you got a song about that? Uh, yes, he did. He wrote a song about Bradley Manning that was... a uh, uh, With James. With James, again, a, a brilliant song, really strong, really strong. But it's terrifying what they're doing to Bradley Manning. It's terrifying what they're doing to Snowden. They're trying to shift the focus. Of they're course. Not, they say, oh, don't talk about the fact we were tapping everybody. Talk about Snowden. He's a traitor, bad guy. Oh, terrible. Right. No, no. Over, that, but over he... here, they, we don't want to say anything about the fact that we were listening to the entire... Of course, every government in the world is doing it. It's the nature of power. Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely. It's not a new thing. Okay, getting, getting back to music, don't get me wrong. But getting, <laughs> no, I, th I think it's very interesting and uh, um, very strong opinions. Yeah. Um, again, tomorrow night, uh, you play Berlin. Um, Anything special for, for that show or anything special for any show? Or is it like being on tour? Uh, there are some shows where, uh, like for instance, if we play in France, there's a song that, that Graham and I sing in French, so that we always do it if we're playing in France. Uh, if we could speak German, we would have a song in, in German. 
German's difficult. I think one of, one of the most important things. I don't is know. Mozart did well in it. Yeah. People are going to people are going to enjoy what we do, because we are enjoying what we do, yeah. and it shows. We feel a, a great responsibility, as we were talking about before, to play the songs that you love, right? Which is and half, the ones that they love as well. Right. No, I meant I meant you love. I was talk, talking to the audience because it's difficult to earn money. And when you, make, when you put money down to buy a ticket to see us, we want you to go home happy. We want you to go home satisfied. We want you to go home knowing that we want to be there playing music for you. It's very important to us. And we're doing it better now than we have done in years. It must be a process of maturing, of getting a little older. But the things that used to piss us off about each other are meaningless. The music is far more important than our personal relationships. And we've always known that. We've gotten back to that in the last few years. And it's a joy. That and the fact that we have the best band we have ever had. That's right. That helped. One, one last question from my side before we probably get into question and answer uh, with the audience. But, uh, the guys of the Apple Store Berlin asked me to ask that. Seeing the trailer, you've got the three magic carpets. Will they be on stage on any show? Mm -hmm. Every show. Every show. Since the day we started, we're on a magic carpet. <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually, Ahmed came into the studio on a magic carpet <laughs> and said, want to go for a ride? Yeah. <laughs> I always wait for that, that you just disappear after a show. Wouldn't it be fantastic? We'd love it. If you can arrange it. I'd try my best. Could I okay. disappear to Kauai? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I believe there could be some questions among hope. the audience. We hope. If there's a chance. I mean, you've got the chance, as I did, to ask Crosby, Stills and Nash a question. I would take it. Okay, please. Yes. Hello. Hi. Um, I'm a bit nervous. I'm sorry for that. I'm nervous um, too. Don't worry. Yes. <laughs> you don't um, sound it. I have a question, and don't get me wrong, please. Uh, I love your music. I listen to your music since I was 14, I think. What and was I, that, yesterday? <laughs> it, it, yes, it, it feels like yesterday. But, uh, and I carry it deep in my heart, and I give it to my kids too. But I have a question. Um, are you guys tired of, uh, of, of uh, doing autograms to your fans? Of doing autograms? autographs? Yes. Here's what the deal is. Yes. They both do it. I don't. Here's the reason. Okay. It used to be that fans would come up and ask us for autographs. Now, if you're in a major city, there are professionals. And they have a trunk full of pictures of movie stars, uh, album covers that they bought for 50 cents, empty, and it, they are getting you to sign it so they can sell it. So it's a difficult thing. There is a mechanism that, that my wife thought up for me, uh, which is when they say, no, no, I'm your biggest fan, really, sign this. And I say, okay, who wrote Wooden Ships? And they go, uh, 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 beep. <laughs> uh, 
I generally don't sign now because most of the people who walk up to us outside of a hotel or outside of a concert are professionals. And I don't see why I should support them by signing stuff. These guys are more generous than I am and kinder. Well, you, you might miss a real fan. That's true. You might miss somebody whose life you can change. Let me tell you a quick story. In 1960, the Everly Brothers came to Manchester in my hometown. Great story. Me and Alan Clark were teenagers. We had acoustic guitars. We used to do Everly Brothers songs. We decided that we were going to meet them after the show. We found out which hotel they were staying at, and we waited on the steps of the Midland Hotel in Manchester until 1.30 in the morning. They came, and instead of just signing and going into the hotel, they stood and talked to me and Alan Clark for what to me felt like days. It was probably two minutes. But those two minutes changed my life. And I realized that we're all trying to touch the flame. Whatever passion you have, you want to find the best people that do that and get as close without being burned. So I always do it because you never know who a true fan really is. I... I try my best, except if I'm going to be late, and then he's going to yell at me. No, 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 I never <laughs> yell at you. Well, not, not today. I guess it's my turn. OK, um, sorry. In the 80s, uh, one of your songs was featured in, in the movie called Amazing Grace and Chuck, but I've never found that on any record. Uh, how can I get it? Which song? Amazing Grace and Chuck. That it was in the movie. Ah, I don't, I don't yeah. know the title. Chuck's Lament or something like that. It was a good I, song. Yeah. I, is it not available on, uh, on, on net, you know, YouTube, anything like that? No, no I, and I checked Amazon, too, and nothing. <laughs> How interesting. I have it, and for five euros. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no. deal. I'm only kidding. I don't have it, but I remember it, and, and thank you for knowing about it. Thank you. We'll try and find it for you. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, how is the 1974 tour stuff coming on? When are we likely to see it, and how is it sounding? That's one for Graham. It was originally... Uh, he's talking about the, uh, the stadium tour that Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young did in 1974. We did 37 shows where the average audience attendance was over 50,000 people in 1974. And the Beatles had done Shea Stadium, of course, and the Rolling Stones had done a couple of big gigs. But no group in history ever did an entire tour of those kind of places. We recorded nine shows. The shows were an average of three and a half hours, 38 songs in a show. Joel Bernstein and I and Stanley Johnson, our engineer, went through every single show, chose the be what we considered to be the best tracks, the best take, the one that had the groove, the one that had the emotional experience. Ran it through David and Stephen and Neil. They loved what we, what we had chosen. And uh, I'm maybe 12 mixes from completion. It was supposed to come out in August, but we kept finding gems. I just found a song of Neil Young's. It's one minute long about Richard Nixon and about Rosemary Woods, who was his secretary, that 
you know, was responsible for that 18-minute gap on the tape. Right? You mean this one? <laughs> yeah. So I keep finding stuff that I can't leave off the record. I just found an incredible Guinevere that David and I did. I can't leave it off the record. So it's going to probably come out in early spring of 2014. It's going to have a 128-page book, some incredible shots of us, um, and that's the status of it. I'm t about 12 mixes from completion. And the music is amazing. Actually, I do not have a question. I have a statement, an, an expression. Um, I'm surprised that I have the chance to talk to you, but I just wanted to, to let you know that I'm amongst one amongst many, many others. And you did not waste your time, never. And in the early days of the 70s, you know, you've been, you've been the music, the most important music for me. And it Thank was you. like touching my heart. And it was going with me through all the years, you know. Many things, they faded into the past. But this is still with me. With me. And I'm very happy to be able to see you tomorrow and hear you tomorrow. And you do a great job. And Fantastic. I'm very happy to meet you. And I want you to know, you know, it's, 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 all, it will, it's all heard and felt. By Fantastic. We, thank we, you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Honestly, honestly, I don't know how to top this. No, I think that's it. I have one, I have one story. Please, Steve. That, I mean, it's very humbling to hear that. We were in Buenos Aires, Buenos Aires Argentina, and I was just walking in the street. And this fellow had been to the show the night before, and he came up and grabbed me and just said, that was fantastic, and we're why haven't you been here before so long? And, and I was a little astonished by overwhelmed. He was, had tears in his eyes, and I was a little embarrassed. And he said, you don't understand. During the times when we were having the disappeared ones, you were the soundtrack that got us through that dark time. And I'll take that one to my grave. And what, th what that lady said is absolutely true. We want to touch your heart. We don't want to, you know, be fluff. We don't want to be unimportant. We want to talk about issues that affect us as people, and you are people. We are the same people. We just happen to do something very special, and we know that. And what Stephen said is well taken. Thank you so much for saying that. We do recognize what we do, and we want to keep doing it for the rest of our lives. And tomorrow show is dedicated to Thank you, Peter. Gentlemen, thank you so much. It was moving for me as well. I don't, I don't want to talk this, but uh, I agree on every word. <laughs> thank I def you. I definitely do. I definitely do. Thank you so much for being here. One more question. One question. Yes, I do. Other Speak way. louder. Hello. Okay, so as a voice of over 40 years of awareness of even political correct correctness, 
going forward now, is there any song that you have written specifically or are willing to write or thinking in the process of what is going on with our world organizations and our I'll tell you exactly. You know where I'm going. It's a song of Crosby's from many, many years ago. We want to know who's running this planet. We want to know what their names are. We want to know the Koch brothers. We want to know Richard Murdoch. We want to know the financiers. We want to know the bankers. We want to know who's running this country. Because mostly has, we don't. Mostly we, you don't know their names. But we keep asking the question, what are their names? A Crosby song. So yes, we will continue to write. We wake up every morning. We get on with our lives. We get affected by what happens to us. We were affected when we found out that the Tibetan monks had burned themselves to death. We were affected when we found out what was happening to Bradley Manning and probably is going to happen to, to Snowden. We're affected by life. We're the same as you. We are your voice. When we're good. <laughs> I have a question. Can we hear a song today from you, with guitar or without guitars? We only, no. have, we, we only have one song that we do without guitar, and it's only two of us. So no, I don't think it's. I don't think we can do it here. Only vocalists, okay. But come, come tomorrow. Come tomorrow. See Our the songs show. speak better for us than we do. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Auf Wiedersehen.